Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tasting Studios, this is Bullhagen. And this is Bert. And it's just us today. Yep, yep, we've taken over the studio. Uh, not just us, I suppose. We'll be playing a interview that I had with uh, Tiffany Smith Wonderful. through Lutheran Bible Translators. Oh, um, that's good. Okay. And so, uh, so uh, stay tuned. We will be getting to, into that that uh, interview. And what I liked about the interview is is uh, someone right getting ready to go. Think about uh, the work it takes to to translate the Bible. In a lot of these cases, they have to even. They don't even have a written language. Right, exactly. They have, they have, to, have to create that, uh, you know, out of whole cloth, basically. They have to basically have an alphabet that uh, can conveys the sounds that are used in that language. That's fascinating. Sounds that we don't even use. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times the, the people, the first time thing that they are able to read or have in their written language is the Bible, which is right. pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. Wow. That is cool. And... uh and uh, she sent me a video of what it looks like when they dedicate a Bible in a new language and how excited people are. And I, just, I thought that would be a good time, especially considering what is Sunday? Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost. And that is just wonderful. Let's take a look at the uh, texts for that. And I say texts for a very good reason, because there's a text there that, well, all the texts ha- have to do with the Bible in many ways. Right. Well, the, yeah. the first text is... Uh, the Tower of Babel, right? Babel, yeah, Babel, Babel. I'm not sure exactly which one is the correct. Uh, <laughs> I say Babel because uh, it, it goes right in with uh, what uh, uh, happens there, right? <laughs> you start to babble, uh, it, but that that is an interesting deal there too, because uh, that that is God's judgment upon uh, uh, humankind because they they built this tower because they wanted to ascend up into heaven. Um, by their own smarts and abilities and what have you. I'm a, I'm it was a, a worship. I'm thing. fascinated by that. If you think yeah. about it, what kind of technology do they really have? I mean, right, right. I mean, we get full of ourselves singing, "We're so smart," but mm-hmm. I mean, they had mud for bricks and bitumen for mortar. And you might think that that's not uh, pretty hefty technology, but uh, there are people that are carving amazing things out of just dirt in in like places like Indonesia. And they, they build these amazing homes, just carving them out of dirt. It's fascinating. You can watch it on YouTube, mm-hmm. you know. And, and we're getting yeah. to a point but where yeah. there's so much information now. We know a lot, but we know very little. Right. <laughs> you know? That's true. You yeah. know, we know how to run our car, but it's getting more and more complicated to ever try and fix a car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that right. kind of thing. Right. So Pentecost is really about... Uh, the Holy Spirit, right. who works through the Word of God. Right. And in the Tower of Babel, there was a judgment. Uh, but then here at uh, Pentecost, in the next um, reading from Acts chapter 2, mm-hmm. we have like the reverse of the Tower of Babel in a way, mm-hmm. uh, where um, everybody hears in their own native language, or in their own tongue, you might mm-hmm. say, um, the, uh, the, great eth- the great things that God has done. And uh, uh, this this is God the Holy Spirit pouring out uh, His Word, God's Word upon us, you know, and that's good. Yeah. And, and as we look at, uh, we'll be looking at Lutheran Bible translators. And one thing that uh, they talk about is is uh, they use the word the phrase heart language, mm. because a lot of a lot of places other than America, usually everyone can speak more than one language, or a lot of people can. Right. Right. But uh, but then, what language do we think in? 
we think in the language that we spoke when we were growing up with our mom and dad, you know, basically the language that was spoken in our home. That's what the language And so, we, so when you hear yeah. a language, you're constantly, oh, that's not your foreign tongue, even though you might be somewhat fluent in it. Right. You're still, in a sense, translating it into... Your language. Yeah. And th- this, this is very important in Africa because, you know, I mean, Africa was highly colonized. Um, uh, and uh, basically everybody learned like either French or German or... English, um, but but there were other languages that were there, very tribal languages that that uh, um, need to have God's word in them. That's good. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and so uh, so that's uh, the beauty of of the Pentecost readings is because sometimes people get carried away with the Pentecost things, meaning mm-hmm. the outward stuff, right? You know, the speaking in tongues and and uh, and all those things. But really, when you look at it, and I've said this many times before. What what does Peter wind up doing on Pentecost? Well, everyone can hear in their own language, but what does he do? He preaches a, a sermon about the death and resurrection of Jesus right. for the forgiveness of sins, right. leading them to be baptized, right. and then a people who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship and prayer. Right. So, so if you really want to be Pentecost, what do you do? You hear God's word, you he, preach God's word, you right. baptize, you feed the body and blood, you pray, and you gather together. Yep, yep. That sounds like church. Oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, very good. And uh, I'll be honest, I still quite don't have my sermon ready for that. Neither do I. It's it's uh, Confirmation Sunday for us as well, so uh, um, I need to make sure that I'm I'm preaching a sermon that uh, relates to them and and brings this, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, but I, I plan on preaching on John 14, which is usually what I do. I preach on the gospel reading. But do you want to read that? You have it in front of you. There? Yeah, right here. Okay, go ahead, read that. That's. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make his home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the Father, will send in my name, and he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your not... let your, not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say you have heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you will have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Yeah, and so you have, you have several things going on there in what Jesus is saying. You know, first of all, he promises to send the Helper, and the Helper is there to um, remind them of everything that Jesus has said and to, to give them you know, what they're going to preach and say. Uh, and, and that is what we have now in what we call the New Testament and the Old Testament as well, mm-hmm. of course, you know, the Helper, the Holy Spirit inspired that as well. You know, and, and yet, uh, you know, uh, this all points us to the next thing that Jesus talks about, uh, which is this, uh, this marvelous, wonderful um, work of the triune God in saving us. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and that, that's what Jesus says, you know, he's going to the Father, and how does he do that? Well, it's through his, his 
suffering and his death for our sins and his resurrection from the dead. Well, his descent into hell, his resurrection from the dead, and his his ascension to the right hand of God. And 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 then you know this actually doesn't just stop there, but it brings us. <laughs> To mm-hmm. the Father as well, you know, he he ascends as a human being, as a as a as a man, and and rules heaven and earth uh, for us, for our good, uh, for the good of his church, and promises that where he is, there we will be also, which is a marvelous thing. And right? one question that yeah that that we might get sometimes is, especially at a time like Pentecost, is well, if they were speaking in tongues and that kind of th- mm-hmm. thing back then. Mm-hmm. How come we still don't, or we don't trust in these other experiential ways? Right. And one thing I would say is this. If you look at what Jesus says, okay, he directly points many times to what the Old Testament says, mm-hmm. as it is scriptures. Right. As right? the scriptures, yeah, it is written. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. and when he tests that, he, for example, he opens his disciples' eyes to see or to hear right. how... Uh, the, the, he must be crucified on the third day, rise, and that forgiveness, he, repentance, and forgiveness yeah. of sins. So he, he uses opened their minds so that they understand the scriptures, and this happens in the book of Acts as well, like with with Lydia uh, down at the uh, uh, at the the creek uh, where they were having a, a prayer meeting and stuff like that. Paul came and preached to her, mm-hmm. and it says that the Holy Spirit opened her mind to understand Paul's preaching. You know, so yeah. so so one thing I would say about that is the first thing is is um, well, Jesus attests. He himself said, "Okay, the 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 law, the Psalms, and the prophets. Mm-hmm. That's God's word. It speaks of me. Right. You can trust that word." Mm-hmm. Okay, exactly. And then he says, here in this gospel lesson, he says, "I'm going to give you the remembrance, speaking to his disciples, of what I'm going to say, in a sense." And then on Pentecost, anointing them with the Holy Spirit with tongues of fire, as if to say, "Okay, when they." They also give you God's word, right? And, and so Jesus Himself attests to the Old Testament, uh, to His own words, the Gospels that we have, and then also to the words of the apostles, which we now hold to as God's word. So when someone says, "Okay, well, God is telling me this," or "God is telling me this," well, in the rest of Scripture, <laughs> we have Jesus Himself saying, "Okay, this is what you can trust." Right, right, right. You, know? you can't necessarily trust your uncle Richard. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, who had too much wine on his camping trip. He might be a nice guy, but yes, you know, yeah, yes, yeah. there is a difference there. <laughs> right, exactly. And even when Saint Peter preached his Pentecost sermon, what does he do? He preaches from the prophet Joel, Joel, Joel chapter two, right? A marvelous passage. So he doesn't even, and then he he points them to Jesus mm-hmm. and what he did, and then he directs them to baptism. What Jesus. Commanded so so right. even there it all goes back to the same word mm-hmm. and so to say well now we're we're in you know a new time where we are spoken into new ways and all those things well let, let's let's look at Jesus for a second right exactly let's see what he does right. he's not going to lead right. you in the wrong direction <laughs> amen yeah yeah and that that's another part that we can think of when we think of Pentecost although sometimes I think as Lutherans pastors behind the collar moment sometimes. We spend a lot of time talking about what a Pentecost isn't. <laughs> right, right, exactly. We, we, we right. don't say about what it really is. Right, right. Kind of right. like when you're first out of the seminary, <laughs> you're so worried about communion and who, who that you get to this moment, like you get this, like where it's, oh, 
your focus is on who shouldn't take communion. Yeah, right, rather than, right. <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than, thank God I get to give people the body and blood right. of Jesus, right? You know, I, yeah. like, I know yeah. someone who had like a two-page like communion announcement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so, I have a long one, too, I guess. It's just like, it covers it covers about half of a half sheet of paper. Yeah. You know, I, I want to get some scripture in there, though. You know? Right. You know, I mean, you want to... Yes, yes. Yeah. Because we get, we, be get thrown, we, we get thrown we get thrown in a situation like a minute before right. the service exactly. where I explain, you know, that doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the best thing to do in those situations is is to just ask, okay, what is the sacrament of the altar? You know, and and then why do you need it? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and and if if they can answer those two questions, I'm I'm not saying that I'll communicate everybody that answers those two questions satisfactorily, but uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's one of those things you have to you have to be careful. I don't practice open communion. Don't don't. Give I, I wasn't I wasn't yeah, worried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, and and it also the kind of shift gears that we talk about a little bit more at Pentecost is is um, uh, Doctor Mendedo he uh, tells a story of how he became Lutheran and it's mm. amazing and I kind of think he should get like a nice clear audio version of his story. Yeah. So, but uh, give us the highlights. How did he become a Lutheran? What happened? So uh, he grew up uh, Orthodox. Okay. Ethiopian Orthodox. Sure. And I asked him, you know, is that basically kind of like Coptic Orthodox, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's the same. Same they're, thing, they're in just, just a different place. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of, is it Nestorian on the on the idea? Of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically meaning that, that Jesus is like two persons almost, right? You have the divine and the human, and they're sort and, of like and, glued and together. What he kind of focused on is, you know, the, the, the praying to the saints and oh, all those sure, type of things, sure. too. Sure. So he was, I think, fourteen or fifteen, mm. and uh, and I, I, I'm blanking out on the the German missionary that went down to Ethiopia. That was very, very, very uh, planting churches and all those things. And there's stories of boats going over to, to Ethiopia, and only some of them made it, and all those things. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> so uh, he was 15 years old. Uh, he hears. Uh, the, the preacher for a German preacher, and he f- kind of found his a- accent endearing because it wasn't his native tongue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, and uh, it resonated with him. And uh, the, after he heard the pastor preach, he kind of embraced him and said to Doctor Mendito in his own language, "You know, God loves you." Mm. And and it meant something to him to hear it in his own language because even in the Ethiopian church it wasn't the common language and there's the service wow. and the Orthodox. Okay. Okay. That's cool. So um, he wound up from this uh, missionary getting a copy of the Bible in his own language that he could read, and uh, within like six months, six or seven months, he read through the Bible about about six or seven times. Wow. Okay. And. Um, well, at some point, he was outed for this. He got caught. And Ethiopia at that time... Well, well, one is, yeah. he it was a communist right. time. And then another is the social of his own family and his own community. So in a sense, he was brought before some sort of a council, like mm-hmm. very public, asking... Are you a Christian? Are you, are, is it going to be your family, your community, or the Bible? Whoa. By, with, you know, spears in hand. Mm. Um, 
And so at that age, he basically ran. Wow. He ran away from his whole life, hmm. his whole community, um, uh, and then wound up taking home in the house of this missionary who taught him. Wow. That's amazing. But, you know, I, I, and I actually mentioned this in the interview. I kind of talked about it in the, in the interview with Tiffany Smith. And uh, uh, I, want, I want you to place that in context because hmm. you mentioned you have confirmation coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Same age. Right, right, roughly 13, about 14, the same age. Fifteen years old, yeah, and and and, and mm-hmm. an example of someone who, at that age, because because we spend time talking to our confirmation kids, saying, okay, we're not always sure your pastors or your your families are going to make sure you're in church, right? So this right. Is, you're saying this, this is important this to you, is you now, right? That you're going to do this. Before that, it was on your family, but now here you, you know, yeah. So use yeah. that example in your sermon. Yeah, throw I will. that in. And there. That's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will. I will. Uh, I have to write it down so I can remember it. But yeah, that's good. Excellent. Um, so what you do is because I remember before you were on the podcast, you used to use this for your sermon prep. <laughs> right. Exactly. So now I get more sermon prep. <laughs> so being I, on the podcast actually that's great. <laughs> um, and so one thing I also I wanted to do then for this is, and we'll post this on the Facebook is uh, I wanted to give it a chance to, to look like what it looks like in one of these places of uh, what a what a, um, a a Bible dedication looks like. Yeah, let's check that out. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this on the, the Facebook as well. The two million Nisenga people of Zambia were part of the estimated, were among... I'm sorry. The two million Nisenga people of Zambia were among the estimated 180 million people living without access to God's word in their heart language until this joyous day. They have a parade going. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing. There's just joy on the face of the people. And now they're passing out boxes. Those are some big smiles, aren't they? Yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, they're even treating the boxes. With reverence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Preaching going on, looks like. Oh, there are the Bibles. Oh, he's jumping for joy. That's great. And look, they're studying. They're reading. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Uh, from Revelation 21, verse 3. That's awesome. Oh, wow. That's cool. I love the singing. Uh, that was that was marvelous, uh, too. I'd love to know what they were singing. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but, but I'm sure, I, you know, yeah. Oh, oh. sorry. Yeah, we can't. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Celebrity media. That's <laughs> all right. So, uh, so yeah, I should have Vic with my and so button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so uh, <laughs> anyways is just another way of saying it. Right. So, <laughs> so we will go on <laughs> to uh, to the interview with Tiffany uh, with Tiffany Smith. So, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, if you want. Uh, uh, to get a hold of, she mentions plenty of plenty of her links, or you can get back to us on the show at clericalheirs.org. So, yeah, where can they get a hold of us? Well, they can get a hold of us email feedback at clericalheirs.org, facebook.com slash clericalheirspodcast, Twitter at clericalheirspodcast, or at clericalheirsp, P for podcast, sorry. Um, and then uh, at me, bro, right? At me, bro. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right, uh, with me today is Tiffany Smith. You've already noticed I'm not good with names in the service today. And uh, who are you with? 
So I am a missionary with Lutheran Bible Translators. We're based in Concordia, Missouri. And uh, you are looking to go, hopefully, to Botswana? Is that yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's pronounced Botswana, the country, but the people there are called Botswana. So I mean, you're you're technically right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, and uh, so um, why Lutheran Bible Translators? So Lutheran Bible Translators was an organization that I knew existed for most of my life, but I never actually paid attention to it when mm-hmm. they would visit my church as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of ignore their their announcements or whatever. It wasn't until college when I was studying theology mm-hmm. that I was really starting to think more and more about, okay, how do I apply this in real life? What am I going to do with this degree? Um, do I want to be a missionary? That sounds like it could be kind of cool. Lutheran Bible translators came to our college campus and they had a dinner where they had different kinds of foods from different countries. They talked about the different roles in Lutheran Bible translators, um, what they do as an organization, the the goal and mission of it all. And it really just opened my eyes to how I take the Bible for granted, having it in mm-hmm. my own language, how I have five or six Bibles alone to myself sitting on my shelf at home and how I never once thought about how I didn't have to learn a different language in order to read it, that mm-hmm. it was already in my language. And so Lutheran Bible translators really just opened my eyes to the fact that there are millions of people out there who don't have a Bible in their own language and that it's really easy to become a part of the mission to alleviate that problem. And so I felt like that was the door open for me, like mm-hmm. God saying, hey, you were wondering what to do with your theology degree. You were wondering how you could be involved in missions, this is how you can do it. So I signed up to be an intern and uh, so, here I am. So, so you, how long was your internship? The internship was 10 weeks and I went to weeks. Botswana. And so I got to observe some translators there and the All missionaries right. there. So imagine your time, like when you're by yourself and you, you think about your time in Botswana, right? Mm-hmm. What is like the one memory that pops in your mind the first thing like when you think oh like there because you all when you have an experience like that there's always that one thing like oh yeah yeah that's what what is that for you what is it that when you think of that that 10 weeks yeah what is it that makes me go wow or you you just like and you're by yourself and you think well that's what i think about yeah what what, what is what what is that experience for you can you narrow Um, it down dancing in church okay (laughs) i went to a lutheran church while i was there uh, it's a small church, but it was um, it was nice to be able to go somewhere every week. I was in a city, so I didn't mm-hmm. have to travel far to go there. But dancing and just expressing yourself in church through dance and song is a big part of African religion, not just in Lutheranism. You want to hear something funny? This is <laughs> what I noticed in the sermon today. Okay, I thought it was hilarious. I probably only thought it was funny. Yeah. You know, I end every sermon with "Amen." Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then Dr. Mendito, the African, comes and preaches. He says amen, and everyone goes, amen! Yes, yes. No, that's a that's totally a thing. In church, um, the pastor would often stand up there and be like, amen? And people would say, you know, amen. You know, it's 10, 9 o'clock in the morning, whatever. He'd say it again until people were, like, shouting it. It's kind of like after Easter when 
Lutherans say, Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Mm-hmm. You know how it gets a little, little less uh, right. enthusiastic every week. No, But, but pastor, I, every Sunday I, 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 yeah. I end with the same, same way he did it. Yes. And I say amen, yeah. and I'm always by myself. But for some reason, yeah. when he said it, I'm like, where did that come from? It's just, it's so funny because that's what I noticed. And that's what I remember the most from the culture there is that it, it's truly, again, something I take for granted, the Bible, church, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. It made me realize, wow, I just go through the motions a lot and I don't actually express the joy that I probably should be expressing about mm-hmm. having God's word in my language, saying just something as simple as amen the way they would shout it and say it like, yeah, this is our God. This is what we believe in. And it was, it was really cool. And, and yeah. that's actually, you know, you mentioned the dancing in the church because that all, because when you're with Lutheran Bible translators, you you try and learn the whole culture. You're right, yeah. And you have to learn everything. And and one thing that I, I when I talk about worship is, is uh, everything you do in the worship service is a form of language. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, a little little child might tell mom and dad, you know, I saw Jesus playing basketball, at the, you know, <laughs> the other day. When, when you know, I'm not Jesus. He might have been playing basketball. But what they notice is something very special is going on. Mm-hmm. They pick up on all the nonverbal cues and mm-hmm. how we say it. And that part of the language and nonverbal language really leaves an impression on them that yeah. what happens in church is special. Yeah. And so when you when you go to to Botswana, right? People are dancing in church. It's not like you know if I were to try dancing in here, it would mean something right totally <laughs> different, right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. not it's not part of our. It would you know be something different. But there mm-hmm. and in their worship, it, it means you know. A whole lot. What 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 yeah. did that? What exactly would you say that 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 memory and the dancing really kind yeah. of taught you? You mentioned yeah. the openness about it, it the appreciation just, for the gospel. Right. It it really it. I know for them it's probably just routine. For me, it was something new and exciting. You know, like going to a whole new culture was new and exciting. So it was something that I wasn't used to, and so it really stuck out to me and my memories of Botswana. But I know for them it's probably just routine. Oh yeah, we always dance in church. But I think what makes it so special is that um, it's just, it reminds me of the passage where David dances for the Lord and it talks in the Psalms all the time about singing and dancing and praising God and how in the Bible that's such a a normal occurrence. And mm-hmm. I don't know where in America it stopped being a normal occurrence. And now, you, like you said, if you started dancing during a sermon or something, whatever, people might give you really weird looks. They would give you really mm-hmm. weird, weird looks. But... Or if, if, I were to, <laughs> if I were to say, okay, we're going to start liturgical dancing. Right, yeah. You know, people yeah. would be, um, it'd be kind of, it's not coming organically out of how they understand and yes. communicate. It yes. would be kind of, hey, let's do this. Maybe we'll attract some people, young people by doing this. It's not necessarily like a sell. It's born out of how they understand theology yeah. and how they understand worship. And so it's it's kind of a natural thing. Right. One thing I've noticed too when you talk about this work is I'm and, and you and maybe you can talk about this too. When I talk to Dr. Mendetto, uh, who who is who preached for us today, mm-hmm. I always find talking with him to be very humbling and and a very eye opening and very mm-hmm refreshing and i imagine for someone at your age is very refresh refreshing in the sense that you know at f- 15 mm-hmm. he essentially had to choose between his family and his community mm-hmm. or his bible right. like spear in hand mm-hmm. above him had to choose and then he had to run away from them 
to live with a missionary for four years. Just everything he knew. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing I struggle as a pastor, we call this clerical errors. So we show what's behind the collar because people often wonder, what do pastors think about? Mm-hmm. And that that's a good example. You know, um, we just had last week, we just had um, a confirmation. Mm. Kids almost that age that he read the entire Bible six times. Right. And then had to leave his family because of that and chose that over his community. Mm. And, uh, we, you know, when we have com- confirmation, we take vows, right? We take uh, to be faithful to, to this confession unto death and things like that. Right. And it's really hard to communicate to not only kids, but also even their parents and their families, just how important those vows are mm-hmm. and just how, how what a blessing it is to be able to make that confession. Yeah. And and I think back to my, when, how, how did I understand confirmation? Not nearly in in any kind of way that he had to. Right. I had family pressure the other way. Mm. And so when I talk with Dr. Men, Mendetto uh, and I hear his story and I talk to people like him, it, it's very humbling. And, and uh, is that kind of thing has have an effect on you as you've decided to kind of to, to work with Lutheran Bible translators? Anything like oh, that yeah. that's made an effect on you? Oh, yeah. His story and um, the stories that other missionaries have told me about experiences they've had with people overseas and um, just the fact that there are language communities who are reaching out to us. We're not necessarily uh, looking for them, but they reach out to us saying, hey, we hear that you translate the Bible with people can you help us translate a Bible into our own language? Just the fact that there are still people out there that don't have God's word in their language, first of all, and second of all, are hungry for it. Like they know something's missing from their lives Mm -hmm. and they want it. And so they're reaching out to Lutheran Bible translators. And that's humbling to me because growing up in a country with religious freedom and everything, although sometimes at times it doesn't feel like that, but we, we forget that we are so blessed to live where we live and I that know. we it, have the Bible in our language and that we yeah, can so go to church every week, you know? A, it's happened before where, yeah. it, you know, because uh, I, listeners of the podcast know that I train vicars. Yeah. We call them our vicar app. We're on vicar 17.0. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, every once in a while in the past, a vicar write a sermon about how we're persecuted and that kind of thing. I said, no, they got it easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And not to downgrade anyone's, like, sufferings and stuff here in the U.S. It's just, it's a totally different meaning to someone over in Africa when you say the church is being persecuted than it is here in America. So it's it's a good thing to remember. Yeah, usually we hear it's, a lot of times, my feelings got hurt. Right, yeah, yeah. Or I felt offended because of what the president said or something like that, you know? Right. Yeah, It's, it's interesting to think about. It's a good way to remind ourselves that the gospel is it still needs to be preached mm-hmm. all over the world. And there are still people who um, want it for maybe the first time. Maybe they have never read it. Maybe mm-hmm. they have read it and they got a little taste of it and they just want more. And it makes me think it's humbling, like you said before, because I think about, wow, I have five sitting on my shelf right now, five Bibles. And sometimes I have to force myself to read it. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like a chore or it feels that way instead of me hungering for it. Like, what does that mean? What what does that mean to thirst for God's word? Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I try to get a little past the the this the normal thing, and I'm just kind of curious. What do you find to have been kind of the biggest challenge for you as far as going through this process? Because mm. you you don't go through these things lightly, right? Right. I mean, yeah. 
it's what at least a three-year commitment correct yes and the majority of that living overseas yep. in Africa. Yep. So it's a hard part talking to your family about it, you know, mom <laughs> and dad being nervous about yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, um, I just, I just curious what, yeah. what, what is the, the like the, the biggest hurdles that you had? Because I want to encourage people to do this so that they can, Absolutely. they're probably facing exactly the same kind of hurdles. Yep. Or thinking about exactly the same kind of things. Yep. So what were those and how then, what kind of got you over the edge? What kind of thinking, encouragement that if if while you were thinking about doing this really helped push you over the edge so that someone who's listening to this might think of the very same hurdles and then and consider doing this for themselves? Sure thing. Um, I am a first generation missionary in my family. So I do have relatives who have been, you know, Lutheran school teachers and have worked in um, the church and all of that in the past. Um, neither of my parents are in church work, but like I said uh, during my presentation, I grew up in a Christian household. It mm-hmm. was very much emphasized that God comes first and then family and then, you know, work, play, whatever. So when I was making the decision of what to study in college, I knew I wanted to go into ministry of some sort, and that's why I chose a theology major in that program of study. Um, I was still unsure, though, of what to do with it because I was feeling this tug to go into missions, but there was that feeling of, I guess not letting my family down, but breaking the mold of my family as it is in tradition, you know, just like getting married, raising kids, Mm -hmm. having a quote, normal life. Um, That's just what we're used to as a family. Not to say that my parents discouraged me from going into missions. They're very much supportive of me, but it is all kind of new to them because no one's ever done it before in my family. I'm kind of the first one. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit out there because, you know, they want all of us to just get married and have kids and raise a Christian especially, family. Especially yeah. when you, you said you have a, lot, a decent amount of siblings. Yeah, right? yeah. And and I'm sure that has a certain amount of, uh, you know, when you, you have a larger family, you're very close. It's yes. like your best yeah. friends. Yes, absolutely. Your best friends are your siblings. <laughs> yeah. No, right? yeah. And so that was a that was a hurdle to jump over was this whole idea of being the different one and being the one who might be breaking the mold kind of of tradition in my family's history. And, you know, not that it's a, again, they support me entirely and everything, but it was a hurdle to jump mm-hmm. through for me mentally to think about it like, okay, your life's not going to be what you probably thought it was going to be at age 10 or 11. It's going to look totally different now, mm-hmm. but that's okay. It's totally okay. And another hurdle that I had to jump over was, do I truly believe that this is the word of God? And do I truly believe that when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, that he means it? Do I truly believe that he says, all who believe and are baptized will be saved? Do I believe that? Because if I believe that, and if I'm feeling this call into missions, then I shouldn't be afraid to go do that. Because if that's God's calling and if this is God's word and it's true, then everything's going to gonna be okay. So am I going to listen to my fears and that feeling of, oh, but if you stayed in the U.S., it'd be easier. You could be more comfortable. You could just have a you know nine to five job mm-hmm. and get to see your family on the weekends, whatever. Or are you going to continue and follow the Holy Spirit and just trust that God's word is truth and that he's going to work through this. So that was a huge hurdle for me to jump over too. Just, mm-hmm. okay, do I trust God basically was the question. And that, that that goes really for, for anyone, you know, even behind the collar. Right. Right. Yeah. Moment is that that was often a, a challenge for pastors to remember, mm-hmm. you know, the word of God does what it says. You know, you might be a part of a congregation that's 
that's rural, you know, mm-hmm. in, and, uh, you know, COVID has congregations shrinking mm-hmm. and, and struggling to come back. And there, there's always a, a tug to say, okay, now we have to do all these other things kind of ancillary to the word of God yeah. without actually remembering, you know, continue to do what God has called you to do, continue to preach the word. And uh, the word does change hearts and minds. Yeah. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, lightens, and sanctifies us in the one true faith through that word. Yep. You know, and so uh, as a pastor, that's uh, we we struggle sometimes with that too, to be honest. You know how, you know, because there's something that says, and sometimes people when they think of their pastor, well, you know, I want the pastor to be this way or that way, charismatic, and all those things that <laughs> right. they do, right? And then they say, well, does the, the pastor give you the word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, 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 something tugs in it. It's not. It's not really what we need. We need this and that and that. Yeah. Is your pastor preaching law and gospel? Is he feeding you the body and blood mm-hmm. of Jesus? Yes. Well, then why don't you support your pastor right. and and consider that God has made a promise to work through those things. So, right. so that is also a challenge for the pastor, people, and just in the working of a congregation. Right. And it does, um, speaking of, you know, pastors, it, it kind of, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like um, with pastors, they probably tend to feel kind of, uh, separate from the congregation in the sense of maybe people do look at you differently in the congregation. Maybe they're like, oh, this, this pastor, you know, like <laughs> they, they don't, they know you as a person, but it might not be. I know that's how I felt about my pastor oh, yeah, growing yeah. up. It's like, oh, they're pastor. There's the someone la- last like person different. you want to, the last person you want to know is a sin. That's a, you're a sinner. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, I think kind of like you're going to the doctor. The last one, when I want to know that I'm sick is a doctor. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. And um, I think, missionaries kind of get put in the same boat as the pastor of like, we're just kind of, we're different in a sense that we are living in a world of like, we're trying to do ministry and we're trying to follow God's calling and, and be these, we, we like to think of ourselves as these Christians on maybe a pedestal or something, but that's not at all who we are. Right. And so how do you, how do you function in a world of the people who aren't in ministry versus the the world of ministry, if that makes sense. I don't know. But um, I, I kind of relate in that in that way. And that was another hurdle that it was like, okay, you're going to be, you might be different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. You might not have the same things in common as your friends who are over here working in business and, you know, maybe they're teachers or whatever it might be. You're going to have different stories to tell. You're going to have different experiences. You're going to have different things to say maybe. But even if it sets you apart from other people, mm-hmm. it's still you're still a part of the body of Christ and you're still very much needed. And that can teach other people um, a lot of things. You know, you can inspire someone else or you can teach someone uh, something about what you learned overseas and it might change their lives. You never know. <laughs> so he's my, as a parent, okay, uh, you're actually about the same age as my, my I have a son who's 25. Okay. The yeah. producer, yeah. Peter, and a daughter who's uh, 23. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I think about this as a father... I think, you know, that's my girl. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you hear about a, all sorts of crazy things going on in right. various places of the world. Yeah. You know, although, to be honest, <laughs> we don't look have to look too far in our own backyard anymore to see that things are getting crazy here, too. Right, right. However, how much is is that a concern for you or for your, your parents or... It's definitely more of a concern for my parents than it is for me. Okay. I'm I'm pretty independent. I'm pretty fearless when it comes to going new places and meeting new people. Mm. 
So you got some martial arts skills or anything? <laughs> no, uh, not exactly. Um, although I probably should. I do know some self-defense. I had to learn it for my internship. I had to go through a checklist okay. of, you know, uh, things. Um, and so that was one thing that I did have to learn, which it's it's a useful skill. I'm not going to complain about it. But um, I, I've never been afraid of going. It's, it's more... Um, it's more of like, oh, am I actually equipped to do this job? I'm thinking more of like the job side of things than my own personal safety, which maybe I should think of my own safety a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, I've never been too worried but, about it. But there, there are there are quite a people, a lot of people looking out for you. Yeah. And recognize oh, yeah. the work that you're doing. And right. The last thing on most people's mind would be to hurt someone. <laughs> right. I, I hate to bring, but you know, I, I, yeah, I just, yeah. I'm trying to bring up all the things that people might be thinking about. And that, right. that's, that's what I was thinking about yeah. is, is safety. But, but uh, you pretty feel pretty safe. Oh yeah. Especially in Botswana where I was at, I feel mm-hmm. like it's a very um, safe place. Obviously I'm not going to go walking around at night by myself, but I wouldn't do that in Chicago either. You know, <laughs> like I wouldn't, they're just, uh, you just have to be smart about it. And, um, and as I, as I say these things, yeah, you just, told us not too long ago how it's important to trust God's word. Yes. Above all those things. Right. And that I just answered, you just answered me before I even asked the question. Right. And that was, um, I think that's the reason why I've never been so afraid is, is cause like, yeah, I have some, maybe I'm a little nervous socially or something like that mm-hmm. just to like walk up to a new group of people I've never met. You know, there are things that make me a little nervous or scared in life, but Um, Like I'm terrified of heights, (laughs) Um, but so plane rides are kind of interesting. But as far as like going to another country and living there, it's one of those things that no matter how nervous, like I could sit and worry about it from now until I leave. Uh, But the Bible says that worrying doesn't add a day to your life. And so um, what good does it do you, you know? So I Mm -hmm. just, I trust that God is, um, he's brought me to it. So he's going to bring me through it. You know, that, that good old saying, um, well, that, so. you know, that, that place is this whole pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, you know, when people are afraid of COVID for example, mm-hmm. and they say, Oh, it's, it's risky to go to church. Yeah. And you go to Africa where people literally are risking their lives <laughs> to go to church. Right. Yeah. In you know, some countries. Yeah. Right. Literally. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's more dangerous to go to church than COVID ever was for us. Right, right. And it makes you think about, again, comfort versus trust in God's word. Um, although I'm all for being safe, especially, you know, a year ago when the the pand- pandemic was at its, you know, peak. Um, it is important to be safe, but I, I trust God more than I want to be just comfortable you know Mm -hmm. i trust that god is gonna work through this that he's gonna protect us that it's more important i'm trying to work on having the mindset of worshiping god and being in fellowship with other believers is more important than just me trying to be comfortable i guess Mm -hmm. and it kind of applies to the life of a missionary well that that applies to the christian life yes exactly exactly if if you think about the gospel Mm -hmm. it, it teaches us to love unlike any other religion for the sake of others. Exactly. You know, not to to love so that we get something from God. Yep. So that we earn his favor. It's already right. been earned by Christ. Right. So it teaches us to love for their sake. Right. In the first place. Yeah. And, you know, Christ Jesus was willing to suffer all those things in love for us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, it just pours naturally from, from all of those things. So uh, Dr. Mendetto is probably getting hungry, so I want to... <laughs> 
Uh, so I thank you very much for your time. Yeah. So there. So I want to give you an opportunity. One, you need and you desire to go speak yes. at other places. Yes. And so uh, I want you to put your plea out <laughs> to pastors who might be listening. Sure. And to uh, people in their own congregation so that they can bug their pastors. Yes. Yeah. About you coming to visit. So Absolutely. Please. Yeah. So um, I am looking for congregations, LWML chapters or groups, um, Bible studies. It doesn't matter to me. I just, I want to share what I'm doing and how uh, people can join us on this mission in Lutheran Bible translators to put God's hand, God's word into the hands of those that don't have it in their language yet. So if you um, would like me to come visit or to just learn more about what we're doing, um, then please feel free to uh, email me. My email is tiffany.smith at lbt.org. Um, you can visit our website, lbt.org slash Tiffany Smith. That's how you get to my bio on the website. Otherwise, just lbt.org is how you get to LBT's website. You can learn more there. Um, follow me on Facebook at Tiffany Smith. I can add you to my Tiffany and Translation group. You can learn more there and stay updated on if I have a weekend booked or not um, and what weekends I have free to come visit or I can visit during the week. I'm from Iowa um, so if you are a pastor in Iowa, um, you're based out of Des Moines, but you're willing to travel where. Oh yeah. I, yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm, I'm willing to go anywhere. So it doesn't just have to be in Iowa. If you know other pastors or, um, missions teams at churches in other places, then yeah, absolutely. Uh, feel free to contact me and I'd love to come visit. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Anything else you'd like to say before you, you go? Uh, no, I think so how, that's how was it. That, how was it? Was it scary? No, it was great. This is fun. Okay, <laughs> Thank good. you so much for yeah. having me. And uh, if you want, uh, also, you can get a hold of us at uh, feedback at clericalheirs.org, or you, we have a Facebook and Twitter. I say at me, bro, every time you speak <laughs> Twitter. So nice. you haven't listened to the podcast. If you li- on your ride at home, listen to a couple. Oh, I will. I will yeah. for sure. They're, this is awesome. They're weird. <laughs> I it'll, like it, weird. It'll take it'll take a, a once or twice. <laughs> and another thing I want, you, you said you had a video of people receiving their Bibles. Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you email uh, a link to me? And I would like to put that on our Facebook page yeah. when, when this episode comes out and they can see it. Yes, it absolutely. Like. I will try to do that for you. I'll have to get it from um, one of my coworkers, but it shouldn't be too hard. So I will, I will get it to you. It's such a good video. It will make you, it'll either give you goosebumps or make you tear up or both. So... <laughs> I can't wait to see the reaction. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you, Tiffany, for joining us. Um, Absolutely. And, thank uh, you. God's blessings on your continued work. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter at Clerical Heirs P for podcast or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.